Kia ora and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Alyssa Miller from Greystone Wines in North Canterbury of the South Island, New Zealand. Greystone produced some outstanding wines and have recently moved from conventional to organic viticulture. So right now let's go have a chat with Alyssa. Good morning Alyssa. Good morning. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so you just went to an event yesterday? Yes, mm. New Zealand Boutique Wine Festival. Okay, great. Second year. Up, up in Auckland here, and how? And that was went well? Went really well, mm-hmm. yeah, great turnout, great people, yep. great wines obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, uh, that's very good. And so where, where did your journey start? How did you come to be doing what you're doing right now? Um, it was a, it's an interesting journey, definitely wasn't one that I had um, anticipated, my uh, first career was in public relations and marketing. When I yeah, left school, did the communications degree at AUT, so in Auckland, um, and, and did that for a few years. Did a bit of travelling um, and then decided that I kind of wanted to learn more about, weirdly, strangely, <laughs> uh, science. Okay. and. And but I didn't want to be in a lab, or I didn't want it to not lead to a to a job. At the end of the day, I think right. I'd got quite over public relations and representing um, companies I didn't necessarily believe in, right? Or had, products. Had you been interested in science at school? Had you done I, I, science papers? Or I I didn't. No, no. no, no short right. answer. I no. was very much into um, media studies, English mm-hmm. history. Um, everything not based on um, science. <laughs> science. Well, that, yeah, that and that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? You, it's all a bit of a journey, and you try things out. And oh, totally. Mm. But I, I felt like I was just seeing one part of. Um, I don't want to say life. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just didn't have anything based tangible. Mm-hmm. Nothing I could say. Oh, I know why the sky's blue. Right. Really. Right. Yeah. <laughs> From a science point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could convince people that maybe it wasn't blue, but... Oh, I know, totally. <laughs> I could definitely do that, <laughs> really effectively. Um, so I, like I said, I started Googling um, courses that involved things like chemistry and microbiology, and yep. um, I stumbled across uh, the postgraduate uh, diploma in viticulture and enology at Lincoln. Okay. Yep. And there was a scholarship available for changing careers. I was like, well, this, this sounds good. Mm. And I guess in hindsight, like if I hadn't have got that scholarship, um, I maybe wouldn't have started this wine journey. So it's kind of amazing that that even, you know, kicked off. Yeah, sure. And, yep. <laughs> and now I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you went down to Lincoln and did the, how, mm-hmm. was that three years? One, so one the year. postgrads, oh, okay. one year, right. yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So they kind of take in consideration that you've already done a degree. I just had to do um, an extra chemistry paper because I obviously had no mm-hmm. um, prior experience. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Full on. Yeah, yeah. The best thing I've ever done, though. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And so, how long ago was that? That was in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so through that. Um, course we got to make our own wine uh they have a a winery on site and some a vineyard are you familiar with no not especially okay with lincoln so yeah yeah they've got a vineyard it's not particularly um you know 
all theory. Renowned. Oh, oh, for the for quality oh, for what it produces. <laughs> I was no. just trying to think. What's a nice way of saying this? I mean, we were bringing in um, Pinot Noir at nineteen twenty bricks. I think it was. So right. we made a delightful right. rosé. Yeah. Um. So it, yeah, I did that and um started doing on the side with my friend Ben Lean, who's now um, assistant winemaker at Amersfield. Right. Uh, some pop up wine events, mm-hmm. which were tasting and getting people our age involved with wine and learning along the way. And that was still down there? Down in, yeah. So that was in Christchurch, but then we both got jobs down in Central Otago. So I worked at Ripon and Ben got the job at Amersfield and we were doing some events down there. Yep. So Ripon was the first uh, job for you after coming out of? Straight out of, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. in the vineyard. Yeah. What were you doing? Oh, just viticulture work. Yep. Yep. Okay. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it's a lovely spot. Oh, I mean, it's back-breaking work, yes. but, you know, yes. that view is Yeah, it's arguably else. one of the best locations for a vineyard in New Zealand. I'd, I'd I would say. argue with mm, you. Mm, yeah, mm, I certainly mm, would. It's, be- mm. it's beautiful. And so how long did you spend it at Ripon? Um, so that was a season, growing season. So I started in November and worked just bef- until harvest and then I did my first vintage with Craterim. Okay. So right. it started the winemaking journey. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Craterim are based in North Canterbury. North Canterbury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so how long did you stay with them? With Craterim? Mm. Uh so the harvest vintage okay. yep. to about April, May maybe May I think yep. it was. Okay. And and what um varietals were you working with there? Uh, Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. um, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, um, a bit of Viognier. Right. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. And then was that Greystone after that or? No. no? Um, so the nature of winemaking as a, a seller hand is um, that you kind of do need to follow the, the harvests. Right. Okay. Um, so unless you, you get a full-time job, yep. of course, and then, you know, you obviously see the year through. But yep. um, I had gone from Crater Rim then to Oregon. Oh, okay. And did a did a harvest there. Right, yeah. At an urban winery just outside of Portland. Seems, um, seems to be a fairly popular route for... Um, Young New Zealand winemakers, aspiring winemakers, yeah, yeah, to yeah. go to to go to Oregon particularly. Yeah, mm. well, mm. it's um, it's a cool spot, mm. and I guess you know we're Pinot, our Pinot, okay. yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I I was obs- um, obsessed with Pinot, right? Okay, still kind of am, but I'm definitely like more experimental, maybe with my varieties and yeah, wines. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and so Helen was the stint in Oregon. Um, so that again was about five or six months. Okay. Yep. Um, you get a year's visa. So doing the postgrad, you get, um, a J1, I think it was, visa. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. that lets you work in America for a year. I see. Okay. Yeah. And who were you with? Who were you working with in Oregon? Union Wine Company. Okay. So they, um, they can, can wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah right. I know. So was that fairly early days for doing that? 
putting wine into I be, yeah, yeah. They're, what, they're one of the first to yes. and especially to make it cool mm, mm, um, yes. one of the things so I actually did that with my friend Ben as well mm-hmm. um, and he he and I both really like fell for the for the marketing of it you know it was it was really well done mm. um, so obviously yeah. they they nailed the marketing yeah yeah <laughs> enough to get <laughs> Yeah, workers and stuff. Oh no, it's good. I mean, I think it's a um, it's a good concept. It's always great to see people pushing different things and totally. you know, asking the question of why not, why not. Yeah, and mm. and their catchphrase was um, "pinkies down," right? So they really did. And this is something you know I quite it resonates with me anyway that you know there's a time and a place to analyze wine and there's a time and a place to to just mm. drink mm. it yep. and enjoy it and. Yep. It was tasty, like mm. it wasn't complex or anything, but mm. you know, you'd go for a hike or go camping, and you just yeah, crack yes. a can. I don't That's know right. what you say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, different type of experience, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it totally. Doesn't have to totally. Be, doesn't have to be just one way. Yeah, and mm. I was getting pretty on my high horse about um, boutique wines or you know, well-made wines. Um, so I needed to see the other side. Mm. To see what big production was like, because right. we were doing about 5,000 tons. Right. Yeah. And I just came away thinking, there's wine for everyone. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get no. precious about it. No, that's right. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. And so on to another harvest somewhere else after that? No. Okay. So then when I was in Oregon, I had been previously diagnosed with arthritis mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that bad. So I was able to do the winemaking thing. But at the end, about two, three weeks out of the end of harvest in Oregon, I came. I had a really bad episode, um, right. so much so that I was kind of bedridden for a little bit. Right. So that was a bit of a wake-up call that mm. um, my body and winemaking maybe weren't destined to be. Right. Um, so I had to take a bit of a... A break from winemaking, so I went back and started doing full time the bespoke wine events. So we we started this business called I don't, I don't even want to call it a business. We started this thing called Wine Folk, mm-hmm. which was essentially pop up wine and food events, and we did tastings in very random locations. So right, okay. a railway station. Yeah, or cool. You know, right beside the um, the lake at um, in Wanaka by Ripon. Yeah. Okay. Um, so trying to break it open and do oh, it a bit totally. different. And yeah. I mean, you've probably probably done quite a few wine tastings, and sometimes they're in sterile rooms and mm. they're very yeah. quiet. I mean, there's a place for that too, but mm. you know, mm. we we were learning yeah and for me the way i learn is to to talk and to have a little bit of fun make yeah. it a bit colorful well appealing to a different audience too oh yeah mm. yeah mm. not to say that there weren't older people that would come mm. to the events either because mm. there were and they enjoyed mm. themselves too mm. so i did that full time and i kind of was doing um a bit of consulting marketing work um for about eight or nine months and then I was starting to get better and I thought maybe I could do another vintage. So obviously I, I tried. <laughs> so I went to Canada, so 
I did a vintage in Canada. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereabouts? Uh, so that was in Kelowna, in the Okanagan. Where is that? Yeah. Not many people. Well, firstly, when I say I made wine in Canada, people are like, huh? Right. They make wine in Canada. Yeah. Which is such a shame because they, they are a pretty cool, mm-hmm. cool um, winemaking country. Because there's two, well, there's quite a few different regions, but I was in the Okanagan, which is about four hours inland from Vancouver. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Still in, it's, is that in, still in British Columbia or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But right on the border there of okay. um, Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, and South, South Okanagan kind of is more of like the Bordeaux blends. Mm-hmm. And then as you go a little further north, um, I worked for a place called Tantalus and they did Pinot Noir, um, Riesling, Chardonnay, some bubbles, some method bubbles um, and some ice wine, right. which is yeah. super cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, I, th- I think it's um, you know typically what most people might initially associate with Canadian wine, isn't it? Cause What's that? The ice wine. Oh, yeah. It's what, you know, what sticks in people's minds. Oh, of what course. They remember, but um, yeah, we have heard um, on the show a few people make some of the Canadian wine connection. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's again, it's kind of like New Zealand, but maybe a little bit younger. They're, they're kind of finding their place and finding what works for them. And yeah. They're, yeah, they're an exciting wine region in the Okanag- Okanagan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and would it be would it be fair to say though that uh, a lot of the regions, <coughs> excuse me, are a little bit more marginal than other countries? You know, other places in other countries for growing wine, like like probably a little bit more challenging, probably not as mm. obvious places to mm. to grow wine. Yeah, mm. I mean, New Zealand's certainly on the on the edge there the edge. sometimes, especially yeah. you know the last two vintages have been a little bit more challenging. Um, Canada, well, the Okanagan is really all I can talk to, but it's um, it's it's surprisingly really hot, really hot. Right. But then they have sometimes quite short seasons, mm-hmm. so that you know maybe you're not getting the phenolic ripeness like you would if you had that longer, yeah, hang time. Yeah. So consistency year on years challenge. Perhaps, mm. and there's certainly I you you never know whether it's the vintage or if it's the winemaking that. You know, makes mm. a poor wine. Because, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's poor wines out there. Yeah. Um, but, f- you know, it's just going to come with time and we'll soon see if it's the winemaking because they're still a young wine region mm. Mm. or if it's the, mm. yeah, the marginal yeah. wine growing conditions. Yeah, yeah. And so that was one season there? Yes, yep. yes. So um, that was fine. I could get a visa because my dad's Canadian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So while I was doing harvest, um, my arthritis kicked off again. So I um, I just started talking to people about other opportunities. Um, I had tossed up whether to continue with wine folk, but I I just it wasn't the most uh, consistent income. Um, and I mean, the whole fact that I left it to continue winemaking just showed me like maybe I wasn't ready to do it. And a lot of people ask me like, why, why did you stop? And I just don't think my heart was in it in the end. Right. And when you're trying to start your own business, I mean, and it's hardly, it was hardly a business, but you're more 
on the operational side and you're not actually doing what you want to be doing, which was like organising events and mm. connecting with younger people about wine. Yeah, yeah, no, so you've got to be, you've got to be pretty enthusiastic about it to have the totally. energy to do or have a all team. the things that need doing. Mm. 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 Yeah, mm. so uh, Nick from Greystone Wines, Nick Mavramatis, uh contacted me and we started talking about uh, a new job mainly focused on marketing and branding at Greystone and obviously having my experience uh, from my first degree and um, my last career, I was able to kind of combine them yeah. into a job. Yeah, good. For one of the best wineries in New Zealand, I yeah, think. Yeah, great. And th- and that's what, you know, as we were saying in the beginning, that's what the journey's all about, isn't it? It's exactly. Like- I mean, I would not have anticipated this. I was pretty pretty convinced I was going to become a winemaker but um, Mm. I'm not complaining like I get you know to do incredible things with Greystone and they're at the precipice of of becoming you know really at the to the next level of of winemaking they're experimental Um, Dom the winemaker is exceptional so he was just named New Zealand's best winemaker right, yeah, this year. Very good. So to be around like-minded people is just, it's, it's a gift. I feel extremely lucky to be working, you know, not just at, in, at Greystone, but in North Canterbury, which is, again is, you know, now becoming... Uh, mature and ready for that next step. I think it's one of the most underrated wine regions, not just in New Zealand but the world. Like yeah. some of the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir coming out of North Canterbury is exceptional. Yeah, yeah. So just for listeners, so we're talking about um, Waipara now. Yep. Yeah, Waipara. So we've kind of rebranded now to North Canterbury. Okay. Um, we've just launched a new website uh, based on the fact that. Waipara um, is hard to say internationally, um, but also confused with Waiarapa and uh, Waiheke. Right, Waitaki. Waitaki. Uh, So we've – and it's also – it uh, captures the the region, so it captures other wineries. So a broader region. A broader region, so Bell Hill – Pyramid Valley, Mount Beautiful, they weren't in Waipara Valley. Right. But they were part of North Canterbury. Yeah. 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 So it's a much larger region. Yeah. Inclusive. Okay. Yeah. So will you so that that's what you'll be saying on, on the label as well? North Canterbury? North or Canterbury. Will you, okay. Yeah. 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 Well you could think of Waipara Valley as maybe yeah. a, a sub region. Sub region, yeah, sure. Which is totally cool. Mm. And it is. Mm. I mean there's mm. definitely soil variations. In North Canterbury, like huge soil variations and yeah. yep. microclimates and things. And so Greystone, when when did that sort of start out? Was that sort of around 2000 or something? 2000, yep. they purchased the what is now Greystone. So on the hill, limestone hills of um, the Teviot Dale Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and was that one of the early ones in the region or had a no, few people got going already No, we're, there? we're yep. still relatively new Mm. um so we started planting in 2004 by we i mean nick and dom (laughs) started planting in 2004 and together so that's kind of cool that they're still 
together yep, still working now. together. Yeah. Um, Nick Gill, obviously, being the general man- manager now, not the viticulturalist. Uh, so 2004, they planted. 2008, the first vintage of Greystone came out. And what was that initially? What, what did they? Pinot. Pinot. And I think it was just um, two barrels, Don mm-hmm. was saying the other day. So it's amazing to think that we've gone from two barrels to this, like, we've got a lot of barrels now. Mm. I'll tell you that. Mm. Yeah. A lot more than two. A lot more, to, a lot more than two. And so Pinot initially and then... Well, we have Pinot, Chardonnay, Riesling, Pinot Gris, Gewürztraminer, yep. a little bit of Syrah. And so it gradually just, they just planted different varietals as they, yeah. they just had a bit of a plan they or were real, found they little were spots they were very strategic in yeah. planting and, you know, uh, Strategic as in, well, clones, this is a good spot. That, yes, yeah. this is a good spot. Uh, this variety would go well here. This clone would go especially well here. Gotcha, yeah. Um, like we have Loire Sauvignon Blanc clone um, vines. It was just that well thought out, mm. very well thought out. Mm. And so and I think that is obvious now. Like it's it's paid off that they spent so much time in the planning of the vineyard. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very thoughtful and, and deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were there any things you know that they tried along the way that didn't particularly didn't work, or because they'd put a lot of thought into it, they sort of had it? Um, no, well there's covered. definitely a, a part of the vineyard that was especially frost prone. Right. So they eventually ripped that out. Mm. Um. Mm. But everything else seems to have worked really well. Yeah. The 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 whole it's sixty percent Pinot Noir. Right, yeah. And I think if you asked um, Nick Gill or um, Peter Thomas, who who's um, the owner of Greystone, where, where is his visit, vision, sorry, where is Peter Thomas's vision um, to make the world's most amazing Pinot Noir? Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the key. That was the focus. And yep. because we've got these special right. limestone soils, um yeah. It all just made sense. Yeah. What would you say is the unique sort of characteristic about the great, you know, do you think there's something that stands out in the in the Greystone Pinot Noir for you that you can go, okay, this is, you know, quite unique to to that spot? Yeah. It's it's so savory and complex. It's layered. You know, and every vintage is different because Dom lets the vintage show through in the wines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say they're not consistent because they are like consistently, mm. they they have certain similarities, but there's, you know, yeah, there's definitely vintage variations, but they're very transparent, um, authentic wines. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate that word authentic, but they are, yeah. so it's Hard to find another yeah, yeah <laughs> word. No, no. That's right. So yeah, so they so the, you know they represent the um, terroir and the absolutely. Yeah. And I think um, we, have you heard of the vineyard ferment Pinot Noir? We do no. So Dom is especially obsessed with Pinot Noir and true true terroir Pinot Noir. So he puts uh, two ton fermenters in the vineyard and lets the Pinot Noir ferment there rather than take it into the winery where it's, you know, subject oh. to other winery yeasts or controlled 
temperature-wise, so okay. he just leaves it in the vineyard. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah and that, so that's not a relatively common practice, is not it? Not at all. No. No. Right. And and we're releasing the the first of this Pinot Noir, the Vineyard Ferment Pinot Noir, um, in the next month or so, so I'll have to send you a bottle. Yeah. It's, yes. it's It's awesome. It's very unlike the estate, which is very dense and if you compare the two vintages, you know, as well. So there's the 15 and 16 at the moment, current release, but very different. Um, the estate is, is a lot more concentrated, a, a darker, um, more weighty Pinot Noir, but the vineyard ferment is um, is elegant. It's quite light-bodied, but it's powerful, which is just mm. probably not the two things that you would together right yeah light bodied yeah. and powerful and i'd recommend anyone try it yeah it's, it's no. just really neat nice no, especially good. to see them side by side yeah 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 no good i get so excited about yeah, it no that's great that's great <laughs> what and a it, nerd <laughs> <laughs> um and is is there anything else that uh you find particularly interesting that's that that you're doing i just honestly adore the people that work at greystone and the fact that they're they all say, you know, this is a journey and we're learning along the way, but are just genuinely interested in, in making great wines. Um, that's, that's pretty special. You know, it's a business and we, you know, you've got to do things. Well, it has to be. Yeah, but they're just completely uncompromising when it comes to um, quality and yeah. true wines. Yeah. Nice. I think that's really special, and that's why I feel so lucky to work there. And you know, yes, my winemaking career is probably done, dusted, maybe. But um, yeah, I, I feel pretty lucky to to work with these people. Yeah, well, you know, and it's great that uh, you have that experience to bring to the role you're doing now. Actually, I hope so. Yeah, having, yeah, yeah for sure. You got that. Sort of, yeah. Um, hands-on, deeper knowledge of what it's actually all about oh look it mm. it it certainly helps and mm. i did a, a vertical tasting yesterday and you know it's it's scary standing in front of 40 odd mm. wine enthusiasts who you know know a lot about wine and they ask you some pretty technical questions and thankfully i know how wine's made and and it's it's a lot easier to market wine when you know how it's made and what it what Yep. Why certain certain things um, affect the end result? Yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah. key. Well, you, yeah, you've got that background and depth of knowledge to yeah, tie those pieces together. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else outside of uh, Greystone that you've seen or been exposed to that's really piqued your interest, either in New Zealand or overseas? You know, something you've seen or had or gone. You know, whether it's around the... Wine-wise or... Yeah, yeah, wine-wise, like whether it's around, you know, packaging like the cans Ooh. or even just, <laughs> just something that you drank and it just blew you away <laughs> or you've heard about someone planting something in particular. Or, yeah, I yeah. just had a vision of Greystone can wine. I was like, no, that's <laughs> never going to happen. No, maybe not the right pairing. <laughs> no. Um, for me, I think uh, North Canterbury and our focus on on food, on organics, um, you know, keeping things as natural as possible. 
Yeah, because that's quite a big thing for Greystone, isn't it? Very, yeah. very big. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't know that we're organic because mm. we're quite a traditional winery yeah. in that, you know, we make traditional wines. Um, but in the vineyard and in the winery, we're organic and certified organic as of last year. It takes three years to get accredited. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, North Canterbury in general, but general, a lot of wineries are going to organics as well, which is amazing. You know, mm. it takes a lot more effort to grow grapes in an organic vineyard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a decent commitment, isn't it? To, to oh, yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. And it's not the cheapest option either. No. So, you know, it's it's amazing to be in that community where we're all supporting each other. Okay. To do that. That's exciting. Yeah, and so at, and and pushing out beyond that, mm. you sort of mentioned around the the food and what's mm. going on in the region around. Mm. So yeah. we, I'm not sure if you know of the the forage forage North Canterbury. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so tell us a bit more about. We'd what get that is. Um, wine writers and foodies and chefs around from around New Zealand and Australia. I think we we got a couple of wine writers come over and and forage food. From around North Canterbury and then they'd come back with their bounty and cook it up. We'd get some local chefs to cook up the most amazing yeah, yeah, cuisine. Nice. Yeah, and cool. It just showcased, showcased the the region um, and also the importance of food and wine. Um, I think New Zealand's still got quite a young wine and food culture and it's still developing. And I think, you know, maybe my generation, we're a little bit more... Um, aware and we we know the import, importance of provenance and and where our food comes from and where our wine comes from and how it's made i think that's a going back to your question that's an exciting thing to be happening mm. in the wine region or sorry that's an exciting thing to happen in the wine industry now is is that you're getting these these younger folk coming through really wanting to know about how their wine's made and what additives are in it and, and yeah whatnot. yeah yeah being a lot more aware of um what's actually going into it and its origin yeah. and yeah. and the story behind the story. it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it sounds like such a marketer right now yeah. but it but it's <laughs> no, true well, it, it is true it is true i think um generally that's um uh becoming a lot more of interest and significant to um consumers in, in all sorts of areas. Totally. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Good. And so we finish on, if you could have any glass of wine with anyone, uh, living, dead, or haven't, they might not yet have existed, mm-hmm. um, what wine would that be and, and who would it be with? And maybe where would it be if that's relevant as well? I thought about this one a lot. And it's a little bit abstract, but I think I hear this a lot in that um, I'm quite similar to my nana who lived in Canada, but I had only met a few times before she passed. And I would want to have a wine with her, but not at the age she died, but at the age, the same age as me. Oh, nice. And to yeah. sit down and have a wine with her, a Greystone Pinot Noir, mm. you know, because I think she'd be pretty proud of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And she'd want to know <laughs> what the Greystone Pinot Noir was about. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's exciting. Do you know if she was a wine drinker? She or? was definitely a wine drinker. Oh, she was? Drinker. Oh, okay. I think yeah. as well whiskey. So right. <laughs> she was a lady of my heart. Yeah, for good. sure. Good. Oh, that's great. Oh, that, yeah, that would be lovely. 
Very good. Oh, well, thanks, Alyssa. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, no, that's been great. And, um, yeah, we'll um, look forward to um, seeing many more great things come out of Greystone. Yeah, I think so. Okay, bye now. Bye. We've been speaking with Alyssa Miller from Greystone Wines in North Canterbury of New Zealand. If you'd like to find out more about Greystone, you can go to greystonewines, or one word, .co.nz. And also be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts for stories from others involved in the New Zealand wine industry. And you can also find us on Instagram, NZ Wine Podcast. Be sure to also check out some of the other great podcasts on podcast.nz. So until next time, thanks for listening in. Hey, Kona mai. Bye for now. <laughs>